But real quick, I'm going to read this scripture over you today. And if you're taking notes, oh, thank you. Aren't, isn't this young man amazing? Yes. Somebody said, go Bryce. Like, you got fans, man. You got fans. He, he's single. Too young. Too young. Okay, now wait, I was reading scripture. All right, this is why they don't let me up here to do this all the time. Because it's like, we, you know, I miss you. We're like chit-chatting, you know? It's like one of those things. Um, all right, I need to stay focused. Isaiah 26, verses 3 through 4. I'm just going to read this. Um, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. I mean, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity, God, just to, to preach to my church. Lord, I just, I love these people. I love this community. And so God, I just pray, I just humble myself, Lord. And I just pray that this word would just come through me, God, as, as you have destined it to. And so Father, I just pray for every person who's watching right now, God, that they would, um, that you would have a promise for them by the end of this service, God, that they would be able to remember in a tough circumstance. And so, Lord, we just give this service over to you, and we thank you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to, again, I said my husband is watching. He is uh, doing a service at our Indiana location. Hey! That's so exciting. They're getting ready to go weekly next month, uh, September 19th. So if you're watching online and you're in the Chicagoland area or the, the Northwest Indiana area or tri, whatever, I almost said tri-state, but that's wrong, wrong region. Wrong region. It's fine. I'll, I'll be better next service. Oh, there's not one. Sorry. <laughs> That's all you get. Um, anyways, if you're in that area, you're watching online, he'll be there. Those services will launch weekly. And how many are thankful that our community is growing? It's growing. And so he's going to be preaching there today. And then they have a uh, deliverance service at 5 p.m., 6 p.m. I don't know what time. I get confused on the time zones. Anyways, sometime later. And uh, we'll post it in the comments for you. I'm sure someone can post that link. And if you're interested, you can go there. But how many are thankful for what God is doing, not just in New York City and metro area, but beyond? Like God is moving. And uh, just today we had, um, we had what, Pennsylvania? What was the other one? Um, yeah, you said it, Michigan. And then uh, we also had, they're, they're, they were here at our first service. We had a, a family that we baptized in California who live in Texas. And their daughter just got, she was the one that got the full scholarship that we were praising God for. So they were here in our 9 a.m. service. And so it's really exciting. But anyways, I want to give my husband honor. Thank you, Boo, uh, for trusting me to just preach to to you guys today. And we love him. He's such a good pastor, man. He, he loves you guys. I'm not just saying that. I know I'm biased, right? You expect me to say it, but like for real, like he loves you guys, like big. So he cries about you, you know, he stays up all night about you. And it's just really sweet. And he, he really, he really loves his church. And so, um, yeah, we, it's an honor. It is an honor to be your pastor for real. It really is. So thank you. We love you. Uh, but anyways, all right, back to the sermon. We could have a love fest all day. 
We can have a love fast all day. But did you guys ever have that, that moment when you were a kid? I'm going to preach to the young people over here. Just kidding. Because uh, I said kids, so I'm like looking right at you. My daughter's like scooting down to be disappeared. But did you ever have that time in your life uh, when you would play as a kid and you just became that situation or that character or that person in a movie or whatever? Anybody else? Do you ever just like lose yourself when you were like that little? Okay, well, mine was Ariel in The Little Mermaid. I was her. I had red hair. I didn't. I didn't, but I thought that I did. And so, you know that scene where she like comes up out of the water, right? Part of your world, or whatever she's saying. Yeah, this is, you're, you're, feeling, you're tracking with me. Okay, you were Ariel too. Well, when I was younger and that movie came out, I mean, I literally became her. Like I would sing the songs and just have my moment. Did you guys all have your character that popped into your, your head? Okay, um, so I was that. I was on the rock, there was water. And like we were all at that time in our life, we were able to kind of transform into whatever, whenever, because we believed in the reality that we created right? Like we just became that situation. Uh, now my husband, he pretended like he was He-Man. That was his thing. At my church, it was demonic, but whatever. We'll let him, we'll let him have it. If you didn't grow up in that like era of Pentecostalism, it was a good time. It was a good time. We played records backwards. Everything was demonic. <laughs> Some of y'all laughing because you did it. You're like, yeah, it was creepy. And then now we're like adults, right? And we're in this era of like filters. And have you ever like had a filter that kind of just stayed on there? I'm talking to the ones who are on social media. Uh, like that kind of just stayed put. And then you take it off and you're like, whoa. Like that's what everyone sees. <laughs> you know, we kind of believe we kind of believe whatever we're looking at. We believe that filter, or we, we believed that circumstance, and we're able to kind of take that into our adulthood as crazy as it seems. And we go from the reality of our life, and we then are faced with the reality of what those dreams actually cost, right? So we go from you know, looking like Ariel on the rock, right? You're having our moment. There's, there's wind, there's water. And then all of a sudden we grow up and like we are busted Barbie with like the eye bags, the sweatpants, the disheveled hair. Like we sometimes, you know, and then we get older and we'd start judging people less. You're like, oh girl, I've been, I've been there. Like, oh dude, I know I've been there. But we go from, from those like dreams right? Into like more of these settled realities. Like we wanted to be an astronaut, but then we took algebra too. Like that was rough. Okay. I'm still like recovering. <laughs> or we go to college and then we get like our first student loan payment. You're like, whoa, there's a lot of commas. Like what's happened? <laughs> or we, we go to plan for a house and then we have a financial disaster. Or we go to plan for a retirement and then COVID hits, right? Or we go to start a family and we can't conceive. And we start living in a world where, where things just do not work out how we originally intended them to work out. And so that disappointment from those broken dreams turn into stress. And then 
that stress turns into a million other things, right? Fill in the blank. And so not only are we left with the broken, de- the, the broken dreams that we're standing in, but now we have this unrest of our present reality. Am I speaking to anybody today? So we move further and further and further and further from the dream. And so I just want to read to you this scripture. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Genesis 17, 15 through 19. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Some of the dreams that we get from God are laughable. Sarah is old, but like old, old, like old. So like the older I get, the less old someone else is, you know? So they'll be like, say their age. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 we're young. We're young. (laughs) But like when you're 90, you're old, old. Like even if you feel young, you're old. Like it just is what it is. Like there's just certain things that are not happening. Like children, like that's not happening. She was so old that even in the Bible, when people were living to like 800 They called, the Bible called her old, like it's old. Are we all on the same page? Okay, so she, what what the Lord was telling them that was going to happen was a physical impossibility. They were, she was facing the reality. And in Genesis 18, she actually laughs about it. So like Abraham laughs and then she laughs, like nobody was being strong for each other at that point. You know how when you're married, you're like, one of us is going to believe God. You know, they're both like, no, we're old. Like we are old. This is not happening. And so she laughs about the promise. And before you give hate to her for laughing about what God spoke to her, I just want to tell you a little bit about the disappointments that Sarah had experienced up until this point. So she faced famine, war, family fights, destruction of a city, leaving home for the unknown on various occasions. Um, Her husband lied and led her into captivity for a short, brief stint there, which, sorry, but if you're in captivity for one day when your husband lies, like that's one day too long. Like you were sleeping on the couch for at least 10 years. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But um, she had to pack up her life and like if you were, I'll, I'll break it down for the younger ones. If you had to watch her story on TikTok, it would have a big red letters that said like trauma trigger warning, right? Like she experienced a lot going on. And so we have this moment where she's laughing at what God audibly told her, told to Abraham, she heard it. 
Can you imagine hearing God audibly and still laughing at the impossibility? So, so many times our unrest comes from our disbelief that our current reality could be different, could be healed, could be blessed, could go from dysfunctional to functional, could go from insane to sane, could go from broken to whole. So how do we get from the unrest of broken dreams to the assurance of God's promises and feeling of rest about the unknown? The the answer to that question is we simply just stop believing that God's promises are real. How do you go from unrest to rest? You start believing the promises of God. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. How do you go from unrest to rest is you start believing the promises of God. So If you're taking notes, you can go ahead and jot this down. Um, I just wrote down five. It doesn't mean that there's there's probably 5,000. I don't know. I'm just going to do five because I have 25 minutes and that's what we're doing. Okay? (laughs) So stay with me here. But what are some bottlenecks to believing the promises of God? What are some bottlenecks to believing the promises of God? Number one, and I'm just going to use myself as a testimony. Is that okay? Um, number one, reality. So what bottlenecks the promises of God in your life? Number one, your existing reality. Like where you're at right now, looking at the car that's broken down when God told you, you were going to go to nations, looking at the bank account when God said that you were going to be generous and be able to bless others. Looking at a failed business account when you know God spoke to you and told you that you were going to be um, a dispenser of seed. So I want to encourage you, your reality can be a bottleneck to believing the promises of God, right? You might start out strong, but like Sarah was 90 years in. 90 years. Can you imagine praying or wanting something for 90 years? Our reality can be a bottleneck to the promise of God. So for me, just using myself as a testimony, something that I've been struggling with for the last several years is this issue of a chronic illness. And yeah, it's kind of invisible and I'm fine and there's no emergency, but I believe that God is able to heal me. But I've had moments where I faltered in that because I'm looking at my reality, My dreams did not line up with the circumstances. So it can be a bottleneck to the promises of God. Number two, finances. Your finances can be a bottleneck to the promises of God. Some of you guys have a Versace dream with Walmart budgets. Walmart budgets. And so I want to encourage you, if you are struggling and saying, man, the Lord has given me this dream, but my finances are a bottleneck to really believing God's promises, I want to encourage you, join Randall's Connect Group, get free in your finances, let him teach you how to steward your money and how to read God's word and what it says about your money and see if God's promises and and God's reality doesn't get unlocked in your finances. 
So I want to encourage you, um, don't get discouraged, get tools. Get tools, get, get proactive about it. Number three, here's another bottleneck to the promise of God. Sin. Stop sinning. It will bottleneck the promise of God in your life. Let me just encourage you. So our own sin can keep us from the dream. And some people giving the devil too much credit. That God is trying to open doors for you, but you keep shutting them because of the things that we're bound to. We told our staff this week, don't let anything master you. Nothing. Don't let anything master you but the Holy Spirit and God's word. Don't get mastered by alcohol. Don't get mastered by drugs. Don't get mastered by addiction. Don't get mastered by sexual immorality. Don't let anything master you more than the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Our sin can be a bottleneck into the, to God's reality for us, into God's dream. Number four, I could go on that one for a long time, but I'll do it next week. Just kidding. Number four, fear. Fear is a dream killer. Fear is a dream killer. And I get it. I've been through some stuff, okay? I understand. And a lot of times when we experience fear, the very next thing that we do, the very next demonic door that we open is we begin to make inner vows about things. I'll never trust a church again. I'll never do ministry again. I'll never give my finances again. I'll never get married again. I'll never have kids again, right? We just start making these inner vows, these demonic contracts that open up a door of fear to our life that shut the door on the promises of God. When I, before I, I, we lived in New York years ago when Evie, when I was pregnant with Evie and we were hurt and, 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 and you know what? I don't know. It was just a situation, whatever. It doesn't even matter. The point was, is when we rolled out of here, I said, I will never go to Long Island again. And here we are. I made an inner vow out of fear because I didn't want to be hurt again. Some of you are making inner vows and you're shutting the doors of favor on your life and shutting the door of promise on your life. And I want to encourage you, don't ever say what you'll never do. Except if it's sin. Don't do that. You could do that. I'll never sin. That's good. But don't ever Make a vow on something that is a demonic contract. It will bottleneck the God, God's promise in your life. Number five, unbelief. Unbelief is a bottleneck to the promise of God. I get it. It is hard to imagine life being different when you are in the thick of it. When you are experiencing trauma, pain, hurt, marriage problems, financial problems, um, family drama. Like, I get it. It's hard to see that there could ever be a different reality. You know, sometimes God's dreams are laughable. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm just gonna use myself as all the preaching examples. Bella, you are off the hook today. Usually I, I use my kids, but 
I'll give him a vacation today. I'll give him a vacation day. Um, when we were in Minnesota, so many of you know, we tell the story about um, our marriage. That's a huge testimony in our life, how we went, you know, all the ups and downs. We have podcasts on it. You can listen to that at another time. Um, but we went through a season in our life where we were separated and we were attending church. And during that service, uh, Pastor Larry, who since passed this past year, um, was our pastor at the time. And he began to prophesy over us. And he said things like, you guys are going to be moving in ministry together. You're going to be uh, starting works. You're going to be singing together and doing worship together. And I, in my head, I'm like, we aren't even living together. I hate his guts. Like, that was real talk where I was. And I literally was hearing the words and I... And, it was like they were just in one ear and out the other. I was like, I can't believe this to save my life. This is so much different than what my actual circumstances are. Like this is, it, it's impossible. I was Sarah. I was laughing, literally in my head. But man, aren't you thankful for God's redemption? And so how do you get from faithless to faith-filled? Like, how do you get that? Because over and over, we see God put his promises in the hand of frail and flawed humanity that even after generations of Abraham's of Abraham failing, God is still pursuing the promise of God and his children. He's still doing it. So Sarah was denied by her own husband and had to watch her employee have a child with her spouse. And then is promised a child. And some of you might think, well, if God showed up, I believe it. Like I wouldn't be like Sarah if I heard God's voice. Like I would definitely believe it. However, God's message has been audible and tangible many times over in the Bible and still people struggle with unbelief. And so we gotta get past choosing to believe God based on our experience. We have to get past choosing to believe God, past what we see with our eyeballs. We have to believe him because of our confession. He is Lord. And so a lot of times that belief doesn't line up with a feeling because believing is a decision. We have to decide to believe. Disney made it a feeling. The gospel is a decision. So I've heard over the years, many, many, many times, um, just controversy over God's promises and which ones are for us and which ones aren't and all this stuff. And, and there are definitely promises that are meant for nations and promises that are meant for individuals. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But we have to get to the point where we learn to confess the promises of God in his word as a weapon on the battlefield of our mind. Because our outward circumstances are not going to keep us from God's dream. It's the inward battle that's going to try to bottleneck God's voice in our life. And so, you know, I haven't always been um, perfect. I haven't always had faith when I should. I haven't always believed when I should. But here's what I know and what I've learned over the years as I begin to serve the Lord and got less out of my feelings and more out of, out of just choosing to serve the Lord is that God's promises are personal. God's promises are personal. Have you guys ever seen the movie You've Got Mail? 
Okay, it's my favorite. All right. It is my favorite. I love that movie. And a guy in the movie, if you don't know and you've never seen it, this guy's trying to take over this girl's business. And I won't give you a spoiler alert, but okay, maybe I will. They fall in love. All right. Sorry. It's from the 90s. Like, it's not my fault. Anyways, this guy's trying to take over her business. And he says this line. He said, it's not personal. It's business. We've all heard that before. And she turns to him and she said, it's personal to me. It's personal to me. Some of us have been treating God's word like it's business. Some of us have been treating God's word like it's this transactional obligation or this religious rhetoric that we're supposed to rehearse and speak and talk about when we're in church. Um, But the promises are so much deeper than that. The promises are personal. The promises of God are personal. The promises of God are personal. I want you to turn to somebody next to you or around you. I know it's like, whatever, if you're not comfortable, just, you know, sign it, wave it, whatever. And tell them that the promises are personal. The promises are personal. And you'll have religious people in your life that are like, that word isn't for you. That scripture is not for that. Like, you can't believe that. You can't do that. But the promises are personal to me because you haven't been where I've been. You haven't seen what I've seen. You haven't dealt with what I dealt with. You haven't cried where I've cried. And you have not lacked where I've lacked. It may not be personal to someone else. But to me, the promises of God are everything. I've learned that the promises of God are more stable than the home that I live in. They're more stable than my financial security. The promises of God are everything. You could take everything I own, but don't take this. This is personal. So let me just read one. And what I'm going to do as a pastor this morning is I'm just going to walk you through how to take God's word and insert it into your circumstance so that you don't have a bottleneck You don't have a bottleneck in believing the presence of God. So here's Joel 2, 25 through 27. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts and the other locusts and the locust swarm. I like that one because it's like, I'm going to repay everybody, everybody, (laughs) all the locusts. (laughs) My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel and that I am the Lord your God and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. Isn't that powerful? God will restore years. Some of you guys are pleading for one-time occurrences. But when I read the word, I don't just see, oh, Lord, restore that house payment, restore that one relationship, restore that stinking job I had, restore that vacation where it rained, you know, Uh, restore that miscarriage that I had, restore that illness. Like, that's not what the word says. The word says that he'll restore the whole years, uh, plural, We are settling for little crumbs and taking little tiny pieces of God's promise, but not believing him as his full word. Guess what? He'll restore the whole season. We don't do crumbs promises of God. We want the whole loaf. 
God said he'll restore years, not one-time events. One-time events are okay. Years is miraculous. But Julie, you're here and you're talking about healing and you're talking about believing in the promises of God, but you're not healed yet. Guess what? We don't go to a church that only preaches through the lens of our experience, through the lens of our eyeballs. We preach, preach through the lens of our confession of faith through Jesus Christ. If his word says it, that's good. I may not feel a change today. I may not feel a change tomorrow, but I will keep confessing the promises of God in my life and every day thereafter until I see those years restored. If Jesus only wanted the people who could have seen the resurrection firsthand with their own eyes, it would have only been limited to just a couple of people. But as believers, we don't have to experience it to believe it. That's the Disney lie. You have to believe it to know it. You have to believe, to feel it, to believe it. But the gospel is that I choose to believe even in spite of my circumstance and my reality. If Jesus said it, it's enough. I will continue to decree by his stripes that I am healed every day until I am healed. I believe it. His promise is personal to me. Isaiah 61, the year of the Lord's favor. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. So you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. God's word is so powerful. There are 8,810-ish promises in the Bible. 7,487 promises are directed to humankind. 7,487 are for you. I don't care what the experts say. I don't care what religious jargon says, I know where to go when I can't hold my head up. I know what to do when I can't make sense of why my past was the way that it was. I know where to go when I can't trust anybody. I know the reality of having an alcoholic husband and a prophetic word in the other, holding hands with both realities. And when you watch your parents die or your family members die, when you gotta get food out of a food pantry, when you have a triumphant exit to plant a church and then you show up to New York City and you have nowhere to live and you're sleeping on your realtor's floor for a couple weeks, yeah, that happened. The promises become very personal at that point. God is not in the business office looking at your petition across his desk with a huge stamp that says denied. Some of you, that's the picture of God that you have. Oh, nope, he's not gonna do that for me. Oh, nope, he's not gonna do that for my family. He's not gonna do that for my finances, for my job. Maybe he will, but you have to choose to believe his promises. He loves you and God's word is for you. What I love about the promises of God 
is that when you are experiencing trauma, the promise of God enters the room with you. Some of you think you were just left with the mess. No, no, no. You are not alone. It may look like you're alone, but God's promise is in the room with you, with your pain, with your divorce, with your children. His purpose in His Word is in the room. And today we're just gonna learn how to put God's promise in the room of our circumstance. So long we keep it isolated and segmented off because of shame, because of fear, because of finances, because of all those things that we talked about at the beginning. But what I want us to do as a church today is open the door and allow God's Word back into the circumstance. The enemy has had enough credit. The enemy has had enough victory. We are shutting the door of the, on the face of the enemy and we are opening the door of God's promise in our life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me. And I'm just gonna teach you how to take a circumstance and put God's word right into it. And so if you're watching online, you can participate with us. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read out a bunch of scriptures and our prayer team is gonna be up. Prayer team, would you mind coming forward? Our prayer team is gonna be up here. We have prayer team members who are ready online. And I'm going to say some promises that are in his word. And if that promise directly connects to your circumstance, as an act of faith, we're gonna ask you just to come forward. And all that is symbolically doing is saying, I am entering this room with the Word of God in my circumstance because His promise is personal to me. His promise is for me. His Word is for me. And so right now I'm going to just read these off to you. So those of you who are struggling with not having peace, here's one for you. Isaiah 26, three, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. If you are scared, here's one for you. Deuteronomy 31, eight, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you in a pandemic. I added that. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Here's another one. John 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Let me just tell y'all, you will have it. You will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. He's a counselor and a teacher. So if you're struggling to learn, that's your, that's your promise. If you need wisdom, that's your promise. Psalm 37, 23, verse 4, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fail, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will 
give him rest. Come on, you don't have to wait. Come on up here. Take your yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Those I will boast, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. It insults in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isaiah 40, 31. This is for those who are discouraged. If you're fighting a spirit of discouragement, this promise is for you, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. If you're struggling with restlessness, we want you to come and we want to pray for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If you're battling fear, this one's for you. Philippians 4, 6 through 9, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in, seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with